0: Inshallah, if you enjoyed this podcast, then I would like to invite you to become a paid subscriber. When you become a subscriber, you can unlock exclusive podcast episodes just for you. And Inshallah, your support will mean that I can continue this service, which I've been providing for free for many years. And Inshallah, we really need more Islamic podcasts that discuss the challenges that Muslim women and girls face. So hit the subscribe button today and instantly you will get access to so many more episodes Assalamualaikum sister Noadine how are you
1: Wa well, I'm doing well how are you
0: Alhamdulillah, I'm well, I'm I'm good too. JazakAllah um, khair for coming on today. Um, and I think that um, listeners are going to find, um, I, th- I think they're going to get a lot of inspiration from, you know, our discussion inshallah. Well, that's my intention. Um, so what I wanted to ask you to begin with was that, um, you know, um, you're a public speaker and a research fellow and an author, and
1: um, that's your
0: full-time occupation. Is, is that right?
1: Yes, that's correct. And, and thank you so much for having me. Um, yeah, I work on writing and uh, releasing other content full time. Yes.
0: Mm-hmm. And so um, what made you want to follow this as an occupation? Because your, your writing is, you know, it's, um, you know, you work involves around Islam and in particular gender and modern social issues. So is that something that you wanted
1: to do from a young age? I would say that I've always been interested in society and how it functions and in individuals and in why we behave the way we do. So from a young age, I was interested in philosophy and then eventually got interested in psychology. And uh, sometime around really my young teen years, but more seriously in my young adult years, then I became interested in Islam. So I really wanted to tie these things together just to better help me understand human behavior and the world and society. And I think on gender specifically, it's interesting the the time that we live in and really what I have um, just grown up seeing the shifts in society. And gender has been one of those major issues on which people's perspectives have changed and and traditional perspectives have been challenged. And so that's part of the reason that I really wanted to dive in deeper to those issues and get a better understanding, as well as the fact that I think our gender has a lot to do with fundamentally who we are, being born as a male, being born as a female it's going to shape a lot of your life and your life choices life decisions your perspective on your, on the world the shared history the commonalities you have with that group so i think that deeply understanding gender is to deeply understand the human being as well
0: mm-hmm. and so where where exactly did you have you studied so where did you go to then get a, a better understanding you know islamically of gender and even you know and and also socially
1: Yeah, so I would first say that I consume various content on these issues because I don't think it's necessarily a top-down sort of issue. I like hearing perspectives from different types of people and different facets of life, even perspectives that I disagree with um, because I, I deeply believe that as Muslims especially, we can't just be against various social movements or various ideologies. We have to first understand them deeply. So I I look at various contents and people with different perspectives and ideologies, but more formally than, alhamdulillah, I did study psychology in undergraduate and then continued on and went to Columbia for graduate school and and studied psychology there. Mm -hmm. And also I should mention that in my studies with psychology then i had a focus on child and family Mm -hmm. and so when you're talking about the family it's almost necessarily going to be gendered because you have this role of the mother and the father and and then the child and being that i was really interested in in undergraduate i became interested in freud in particular and just psychoanalysis and there's a lot of gendered issues there as well, how the mother raises the child, the relationship with the father. And so both through psychology of formal education and just being able and willing to hear different people's perspectives, that's valuable. And then lastly, I would say in my Islamic knowledge as well, when it comes to gender, I would, I would say I'm probably more knowledgeable through the psychological lens on the issue of gender than through the Islamic lens. The Islamic lens is something that I am working on further understanding what does it mean to be a woman, to be a man through uh, um, our faith? What is the deeper meaning um, behind that? And so, yeah, those would be the, the couple of ways that I've attempted to understand these issues.
0: It's interesting that sometimes when Muslim students go to university and study these subjects, like I'm thinking of Freud and um, and what you said, they end when they by the time they've left university, they can end up being convinced by those ideas. Yeah. Did how did you?
1: I don't know, prevent yourself from falling into that trap. That's a great question because I absolutely agree that the university it can end up corrupting you as a Muslim. And oh, first and foremost, I'd have to say thanks to Allah, uh, subhanahu wa ta'ala, alhamdulillah, that I didn't fall into that trap. I would say thanks to my family as well and, and growing up in a Muslim family. I would also have to think, I did attend, I'm not, see, I'm not going to completely remember the chronological order, but within the time that I was in undergraduate school and graduate school. I was also studying Islam. So it was the extension or a beginning, maybe you could say of my academic um, career, so to speak. But it was also the beginning of me really seriously studying Islam. So I had both. And because I believe as a Muslim that Islam is the truth, then I really just utilize Islam to make sure that even if i'm learning about this ideology or this theory well how does it match up with islam and sometimes it's just about a perspective because for example i find freud's approach to the child parent dynamic and talking about the oedipal complex i find it very valuable as a perspective does it mean that it's the ultimate truth i i couldn't say that At this point in my studies, I couldn't say that Islam supports or is against the idea that he puts forth. But I can look at it as a useful theory, a useful approach in understanding these issues. So so that nuance, I think, is valuable as well in, in that I'm approaching Islam completely as a servant, as a student, and wanting to know the truth and learn the truth. And I'm approaching psychology to understand these perspectives, but not view it as ultimate truth, just understand it as a possible truth and as a possibly valuable perspective in approaching various issues.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, I, think, I think that's a good way to look at it. And I think if, if we don't have, like you said, you were doing both together, if you don't have a, a strong Islamic influence in your life whilst you're studying um, other ideas, that's where the problem can arise. Uh, did you, was that through, um, now, now this is quite interesting that as a woman, then did you find it easy to access Islamic knowledge, you know, whether that's like, was it through attending the masjid or was it like, where were you getting your Islamic knowledge from?
1: Mm-hmm. I would say initially I didn't find it that accessible. So by initially, I mean, Growing up, I think like many typical masjids, then um, there was maybe Sunday classes, Friday classes, um, I think some classes after Maghrib as well. and the classes were accessible to women, but it was it was an interesting thing because it would the classes were in the, the men's section so you could go to the men's section to attend those classes, but of course there's sort of an inherent discomfort there as a woman and then there'd just be this funny you know quote-unquote funny technical thing sometimes where to go into the men's side to Mm -hmm. attend these classes you had to get a man to help you and come from that side to come and open the door to go to the men's section and not something that may seem like a big deal to most but I think as women we can relate to that feeling of if a space already feels like a male-dominated space and it's made difficult in any way for you to have access to it, sometimes, you know, for better or worse, we're just going to say, you know, never mind, I don't need to go there. So initially I would say no, but eventually I did find an Islamic, uh, Islamic study center that was, I guess what we might call a third space, not a masjid. And so that was very accessible to everyone. It's actually aimed mostly towards new converts, but then they had other classes as well for the general public. So that's where I first began to have, feel more of an accessibility to knowledge. And then I happened to be blessed with one main Shiyuk and then another one as well, I should say one Shiyukh and then another shirk, um not too far, not too much further than that, um, who were really helpful. So within those couple of years when I was in undergraduate school, I believe in particular, then there was a chef that I had t- t- taken a lot of classes with and then sometimes he extended those classes for students who really wanted to further their knowledge. So we may have um, classes with him outside of those set classes. And then there was also a chef who set up classes just for women so he would have classes every week at his masjid just to allow women to study so that was just a blessing and that's not something that's going to be available to all women that just so happened to be um my fortune hmm. but i i do think that with effort and with dua allah subhanahu wa ta'ala can open doors that we may not necessarily see right out if we're just looking so I would, I would tell any woman don't feel discouraged because I could have felt discouraged, right, back in the masjid when it was kind of complicated to to seek knowledge there. But if you really want the knowledge, I think that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala will open that door for you in some way.
0: Yeah, yeah, I could, that's completely right. And I think, I know that in the UK, there is this um, debate and, and it's a valid debate that um, mosques, um, I think when, I think the, people in charge of mosques or people who are organizing mosques I don't think they go out thinking we don't want women to come in or we don't want women to gain knowledge. I think that what if they would just they I guess it's you have to think out of the box now that how can we um, make knowledge accessible for women because these are the next generation of mothers these are our daughters and I think for women who um, would like to um, gain knowledge that if they in a respectful way you know approach mosques and ask them to organize things for them i I think it can be done i think the will is there it's just sometimes i think it's just practical problems that happen
1: i think that's i think that's absolutely true and i think i would even leave room to say that if it's not true which is hard to know because that would be a matter of intention that we at least still approach it with that goodwill and believing that people have goodwill and and just overlooked something and didn't intentionally set out to harm the other because i think that can be an issue in our community as well uh, especially now with women having this sentiment that uh, men want to keep us back they want to repress us uh, which is not saying that doesn't happen sometimes but i think overall like you said it's just a matter of overlooking and if women especially as a group come together and say this is what we want to happen, so how can we make this happen? I do think there would probably be more of an openness, inshallah ta'ala. Um and, and women, if we're attending a space, if we're attending a masjid, we're a part of that masjid, and so we should feel just as able to speak up and voice our concerns as, as anyone else does.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and so actually, that, this then makes me... um brings me on to how I first found out about yourself and it was um there was an article that I read on a website um which the title was 12 things I can't reconcile about Islam Mm -hmm. as a Muslim woman and in the article it was it was um it was written anonymously which I I can understand why they wrote it anonymously um but they raised so 12 things I can't reconcile so they were I don't know how to put it That was it um it was issues that they didn't understand or maybe they felt was slightly unfair Um, and um, so these these were outlined and then yourself and some other sisters then gave answers to the questions that had been posed so if I could like what made you want to respond to that article?
1: So alhamdulillah Yes, as you said, there was this woman and anonymously writing this article about things she can't reconcile as a Muslim woman, and she brought up questions that were concerning to her. So just to mention a couple of the questions, she spoke about why can't a man marry a non-Muslim or rather why can't women too? um why can't i divorce my husband and i'll just read one more why do women only get half the inheritance so i I do want to say that even the questions themselves many of them not all of them are have the wrong assumptions like they're incorrect in and of themselves so this idea why can't i get married is just not true But the reality is there are Muslim women walking around with these questions and they don't have, especially women, to access who have knowledge that they can ask and speak to. And I would say not just ask, but get a kind of detailed explanation because I do feel that sometimes the concerns that Muslim women have are somewhat brushed under the rug. Not always, but sometimes. And so, the questions still remain, but they're not getting answered, and they're not getting answered in a sufficient way. And I think this was around the time that someone had wrote an article, of, I think making a case that Muslim women can or should be able to marry non-Muslim men. Yes. So, yeah. So it was really valuable mm-hmm. to at least say here are these questions, but of course it leaves it incomplete because the questions without the answers, what's the point? Especially if it's Let me not, the questions are valuable, but I think that the issue is if you only have the questions, then it just lingers in the public sphere Mm -hmm. and it can also cause other people to then have doubts. So when I was asked along with some female shayuk and female students of knowledge to help out with answering the questions, I was really happy to do it and i also inshallah ta'ala may may allah continue to give it tawfiq i hope it serves as a kind of document for anyone who has these doubts because i think it's valuable to no matter if even the premise of the question is wrong if these are real questions that muslim women are concerned about then it should be addressed it's valuable to be addressed so i was happy to to be a small part of that with other sisters and hopefully clarifying these issues. And sometimes when people ask me some of these questions, I'll still just point them to this article because it just becomes a really valuable resource for so many of the doubts that uh, maybe in particular Muslim women have.
0: Mm-hmm. Do, why do you think it is that there, like, there's certain questions that um, keep coming up uh, for Muslim women who are living in, in the West? So, you know, um, do you think, like, and this is something I've noticed there's certain so, okay, whether where okay, we wearing the hijab, or why can't women, um, like leading the salah? Okay, this I, I must admit, I found the question about the period slightly odd. Um, um, so that's just that then you're, then you're questioning the way Allah made you. That's right. but okay, that, that's sorry, I just found that a bit odd. Um, but um, but there are certain there are, when it comes to Muslim women. Um, there seems to be more scrutiny on the rules relating to Muslim women mm-hmm. than Muslim men. And the presumption seems to be that, okay, so the problem is uh, the rules are not equal and the rules are unfair. And mm-hmm. um, and what you find is it's, okay, it's, it's Muslim women who are asking for, out of genuine concern, but then you also have non-Muslims who, it's like they're sticking their nose into this as well. And, um highlighting this a lot, what, why do you think that happens?
1: Well, I think if we look at the past few decades of American and generally western society, there's been a major shift in the gender roles, but primarily for women, so there was a time not too long and gender roles shift throughout time but we're we 're focusing on recent history, so there was a time where a woman would be expected to get married and primarily focus on children. There have always been some women who worked, even in the 1950s, there was a a percentage of women who worked, but it was far less for, uh, far less women, and it was also far less for married women. Um, I was recently looking at a stat from, I think it was the 1950s or so, earlier than that, where there was such a dramatic difference between women who worked that were single and women who worked that were married it was just the percentage was so much less so it was clear that there was an expectation that once you get married then that's your life that's the life that you're going to focus on primarily and that dramatically changed to now women working expect being expected to work and marry and as well as so many other social issues when we think about promiscuity something that was once looked down upon now both men and women are encouraged but even back then there was always a room for people to joke about or overlook men engaging in that behavior but it was looked down upon even more for women but that has changed dramatically so so many issues have changed when it comes to the genders especially for women so i think muslim women in this society are then forced in a sense they're they're forced to be under the microscope and be questioned as to well why haven't you changed right why are you still modest why are you still caring about chastity before marriage why are you still um, being concerned with these issues that we in the west don't care about anymore so that is one of the biggest things that we stand out as muslim women because we have values and ethics that to this society are ancient or are the ways of, of the old so that's one of the issues and I think secondly, or rather just expounding on that point, it really these issues are presented as thick issues, which there's no problem if someone wants to ask the question in that way and get a thick response, that's fine it, um, you know reference to Islamic law, Islamic rulings. But I think that we're not being honest if we don't address the fact that these are social issues, these are primarily social issues. So if we look at the issue of marriage, a Muslim woman saying, well, why can't Muslim women also marry non-Muslim men? Is this really a matter of the, the ruling? Or is this a matter of many women feeling like they can't find suitable Muslim men? Or many women being in the, in the career, you know, career space, the job space, being in their universities, And there are all of these non-Muslim men around and maybe very few Muslim men. So they feel at a disadvantage because of their circumstance, not because there's any inherent issue or problem in marrying Muslim men, but because they can't necessarily find them. And so they want to deal on this thick level when in reality, it is a social issue. And I think that that is something that we have yet to fully address is that many for example on on hijab you know when i was younger i certainly had my issues with hijab and and not issues with the hijab in particular which i guess is the the point that i'm getting at but issues with standing out with being the only one in hijab with being the only young woman who had to wear this but when i went to jordan when i went to the emirates when i went to saudi arabia I didn't think about hijab. (laughs) Everyone had on hijab. There was no issue with wearing hijab. So I feel like we have to really understand that probably most of these issues have to do with the fact that we are a minority group in the West. And that's an inherently difficult thing to deal with. And we have to be able to combat that with cultivating a, a strength in our faith, especially as Muslim women.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really good point you've said that you can't ignore the social impact, and it's um, you can't divorce the two. And the thing is that in, if we look at when we look at the time of the time of Medina or any time when we did have you know the laws, we had the you know Islamic governance. The rules did have a social impact, and they were and they were in tune with each other. Society and the rules were connected and that's what there was some you know there was some harmony between the two what we don't what we have we have a disharmony where we believe in one thing and we're, we're acting in one way but society doesn't agree with that and it believes in the opposite and it's telling us to do the opposite um exactly
1: so, and I, to add to that when we're dealing with that there's this disharmony between who we are and who society is and who it feels we should be how do you deal with that when your faith is weak? Right, mm. it's bad enough, it's already set up in a way that is against you, and then on top of that, your faith is weak. It, it's going to be almost an impossible um, thing to overcome and fully practice your faith until you have that strength to say, Yes, that's what you're doing, but I believe in what I'm doing, so I'm going to keep doing what I'm doing.
0: Yeah, and that's it, and that's um. I guess that brings me on to the the book that we that um that you're part of with um with the thinking Muslim that we're we're editing um and really to be that's actually what we what one of the goals of the book is to help women who are facing dealing with the confusion like we all have like I have that when your faith is one thing but uh, t- tells you how to gives you a definition of what your Muslim identity is but then wider is telling you no that isn't as a woman that should not be your identity this should be your identity Here's has you know and the voices of the alternative the the mainly it's coming from feminism um is very strong and very powerful um so could i just um touch upon you um you you wrote a really nice um um a blog article on on your blog Uh, what's the name of your blog just so the listeners know.
1: Yeah, the name of my blog is by the, the com. Okay, and I inshallah I'll put that in the I'll put
0: the link in the description. So um yeah, so you recently wrote an article about could you tell us a bit about that article?
1: Yeah, so I wrote an article called Can Feminism Solve Our Problems? And in the article, I wanted to, well, first let me say alhamdulillah and, and May Allah give you Tawfiq on this book and I'm excited to be a part of it. So on the, in the article, I wanted to explore at a very fundamental level, whether or not feminism was well-suited to solve the issues that women are facing. One of the problems I find is that there can be, in our society, a lack of deep thinking, and a lack of really being able to step back from something and ask the right questions. Many people will say, well, feminism is just about women's rights, or feminism is just about equality. How can you not be feminist? Or how can you not believe in feminism? But the reality is, if you take a step back, even from that very basic premise, Well, which women's rights? And do I agree with you that those are rights that women ought to have? Or what do you mean by equality? Do you mean the same? Do you mean equal opportunity? How do you apply equality to two things that are different? So men and women are different in some fundamental ways. Where would be valuable areas of life where we should apply equality? And where would it actually be harmful to apply equality? So that's something that I wanted to explore in, in the article. And so one of the issues that I brought up is that I feel that feminism, and I'll say particularly modern feminism, but I think it actually isn't really accurate to say that, well, first wave feminism was great and second wave was great, but it's really third wave, that's the issue. They all have problematic elements. Even back in... First wave feminism, there was the the famous feminist, um, Simone B. DeVore, which I may be saying her name wrong, Um, but she spoke about, um, she was talking about how this, this area, this traditional women's work, of how swifery, how it was futile and unimportant, and that women shouldn't be doing, engaging in this work anymore. So a lot of these sentiments, uh, in fact, she was the one who said that a woman is not born, she is created. So this idea that people push now that someone is assigned gender at birth, she was talking about this in the 40s. So feminism has always been problematic, at least viewing from a, a Muslim lens. So I wanted to really discuss whether or not feminism was dealing with the issues that are relevant to women. And one of the biggest issues I find is that feminism has truly become an ideology or, or almost like a special interest group. So they have certain points of views and certain outcomes that they want to see um, occur in society. And it's not inherently for to the favor of women. So I spoke about the possibility that a genuine woman's movement and beneficial woman's movement that maybe 99% of women could get behind would focus on the things that we have in common, right? Focus on our shared experiences. So if there was a movement, um, and I'm not saying feminists never do that, but I'm saying that a lot of feminist rhetoric is around their particular beliefs and ideologies about gender for example some of them say we want to abolish gender right do mm. all women agree with that do most women agree with that i highly doubt it but maybe something like in in the west i don't know how it is in london but in the west we don't have a uh, universal maternity leave that's something that probably most women could get behind that there should be some time that a mother can take off from work and and be guaranteed her, her job um, you know, after she gives birth, or something like access to sanitary pads, things that every woman or most women can relate to because it's a part of our shared experience. And feminism isn't inherently about that. So I want people to at least question when you're talking about solving women's issues or dealing with women's issues, is that really what feminism is doing? Or are they simply fighting for a few issues that they believe in that most women don't necessarily believe in?
0: Yeah, I, I agree. It's, um, it is, it's become a, um, it's not the, the way it's presented is it's like a catchall um, for ev- all women. But this is like you said, it is, we do need to understand the ideas actually do some reading, do some research before we, adopt that label and once I did that research I realized that there's so many ideas here that contradict my belief in Allah and uh, the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that it's just I can't adopt it as a as a move you know getting involved with them them as a movement Mm -hmm. or um and I think it, it just yeah it's it's they're they're really good at presenting um slogans that um and if you just want slogans then that's fine but if you want to think about it deeply you 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 can't end up agreeing and um working for the rights that they're advocating um
1: yes i, I completely agree with that they are very, they're very very good at slogans um but when you people ha- it's a funny thing because we live in a society that tells us to think for ourselves but we see that so many people don't do that. They follow these movements and ideologies without thinking for themselves about what it really means. Even when I I've, I've done a uh, I guess a couple of presentations on feminism, even just asking the question: Okay, you say that you believe in equal rights. Which ones? Right? Should a mm-hmm. man be treated the same? Let's say in a in an um, office or something at a company, should a man be treated the same way as a pregnant woman? right? How would you even do that? How do you equalize yes. when you're not equal? <laughs> so it, it, we need deeper thought. And we also need to truly believe that subhanAllah, because I, I think, and it's one of the reasons why I think this, this issue of gender is important, because some of this has to do with very fundamental things. And that is, do you believe in a wa in Taala, And do you believe that islam is the the right way to live our lives because once you say that you do then a question like you mentioned before of well why can't women leave the salon but don't you have a good opinion of well, allah if and I, and I mean that for anything that is that we know 100 percent is true right some things there are differences of opinion mm-hmm. or let, let's better use the one on um not praying when you're on menstruation mm-hmm if you are questioning that right you're fundamentally questioning islam you're fundamentally questioning allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala. and there's nothing wrong with questions but i think we have to question our own questions <laughs> if i have an issue with the fact that allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala, said to me do not pray on your menstruation what am i really saying you know
0: mm, yeah and i i think um it's really uh it's it's like it's become except everything is open to you can question everything now, and um, anyone who if you can find someone and this is, you know um, who will give you an answer and you can find it online you can find it on um, and it's interesting that it's though particular Muslims with views that are not or you know to put it like not traditional, you know coming from the four schools of thought it seems that the opinion, answers that they're giving that um, these kind of really progressive liberal answers, um, they're then publicized, and they, they're given platforms. Yeah. So I think for us, we need to really think why are they being given platforms by non-Muslims or you know, just because they give us the answer we want that, may we, um, that we want to hear. Does that mean it is actually a sincere, truthful answer How, or have we just grabbed it because I wanted to do that anyway?
1: Right,
0: right. Um, but Insha, can I then ask you, now you're writing a book, you've been working on your own book. Um, what's the, what's the type, name of, of that
1: book? So the name of the book is, um, sorry, how many? Gender, Faith and Society. Mm-hmm.
0: And so when did you start writing that and what, why did you start writing that?
1: Okay, so I started writing the book Uh, at this point would have to be over a year ago and I set out with the intention to really take some of my articles around gender in particular and compile it into a book but once I started working on the book I really felt that um, I ought to do this topic justice so really taking uh, some of my writings as a basis and expanding on it bringing in more research and so um the book is really about gender but it's utilizing faith and uh, it's okay <laughs> it's about gender but utilizing faith to explore the issue and of course gender within the the society um and how it, it functions so the main purpose of the book is to hopefully give that voice of the traditional islamic approach and the psychological approach using theory and research to hopefully explore these issues in a in an in-depth in way inshallah
0: mm-hmm. inshallah i can't wait for you to finish. how how far have you got when do, when do you think it's it might be out my
1: hope my hope is for the fall that is my hope inshallah
0: oh inshallah oh i'll be doing well for that because i really do think i think we need more books like you said in you know the traditional islam from the islamic traditional islamic point of view that looking at contemporary issues and giving muslims in the 21st century those answers because i think that's the connection we now need and um you know Alhamdulillah, it's brilliant that May Allah reward you for for doing that. Because as we know, writing is not easy, is it? um...
1: (laughs) No, and, and I completely agree with you. I want to see us write more books from the Islamic perspective, but talking in our own language, right? I think we have, alhamdulillah, a lot of translations, but I do think we need more books that are about subjects and utilizing Islam but speaking in our own voice, speaking in a way that we can better understand whether that is the academic voice or, or whatever it is. But speaking to our um, in our own cultural language to, to hopefully better, hopefully so that people can better understand these issues.
0: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, yeah. And Mushla, you're, you're a busy bee because you're also doing a course. Tell, tell, tell us about the course, that you, the upcoming
1: course yes so the course is called um the course is called womanhood (laughs) (laughs) so the course it's really a deep reading course and the funny thing is yeah even though i always i do feel like i do so much sometimes but the thing is that they're all related so it kind of is researching these issues writing about these issues and then figuring out what format I want to put it in. So am I going to put it in a video or a book or a blog post or a course like this? So the goal of the course is to explore womanhood and femininity, again, through an Islamic lens, but we're actually going to be reading, quote unquote, secular books. So the books that we're going to explore are Return to Modesty, A Different Voice and Maternal Desire. And the ideas in these books, though they're written by non-Muslims, they are ideas that aren't really explored in the mainstream. So the idea that modesty is beneficial for women and that a moving away from modesty has actually harmed us, the idea that women have a distinctly different voice that needs to be heard and uplifted in society, and the idea that women have a maternal desire because for so long, Um, motherhood has been seen as something that was almost a form of oppression to to women, that um, women have almost been punished by having to be the ones to carry children. Um, And I wouldn't say that that's a traditional or universal idea, but certainly with the rise of feminism and other ideologies, that idea has been pushed. Um, But this book that I think it was either written in the early 2000s or the 90s, I'm not completely sure, it could even be more recent. But this book, she explores the idea of the desire to be a mother, which I think a lot of modernity sort of turns away. There's there's probably more discussion about not wanting to be a mother in our times than wanting to be a mother and wanting to devote one's life to that. And she's coming from a feminist perspective um, and not a conservative one. So I think it's a really valuable book to explore. So hopefully all of these Books. the intention is that we widen our understanding of womanhood and femininity through secular works that don't necessarily fall in line with some of the mainstream ideologies that are that are being pushed on us as um, muslim women
0: Mm -hmm. and um yeah i've i've read return to modesty and i agree with you it was a very different take on um, I was quite shocked by what she was saying um, and so so what other people weren't they? she had a lot of criticism um, from from you know uh, you know popular you know kind of um, media outlets well not media outlets other newspapers and kind of the feminist voices so yeah. I can see why you're reading reading those books um, so inshallah if someone wanted to how can um, if someone wants to join that course what, how
1: do they do that? Okay, so you can go to dot com slash deep reading WF. So inshallah ta'ala, um, maybe you can include the link. Yes, I will. Um, yes, so inshallah, <laughs> yeah, so inshallah ta'ala. Um, and when? Where you can,
0: mm-hmm. Sorry, when is that starting?
1: That is going to start in the fall in September, inshallah
0: okay alhamdulillah that's good um so okay so so then um and um you know i you know there's also the the 40 hadith uh sorry 40 hadith of aisha um that you wrote as well that um and that's available to buy on amazon now again i'm interested is that just i ha- um is that just a compilation of the hadith of uh, aisha mm-hmm
1: yes it's so it's a short biography of her life and then um an english translation of 40 hadith from aisha mm-hmm.
0: because i think what what's interesting i think uh, and i am um, like maybe a, 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 someone could be listening to this podcast and thinking okay mashallah wow no does quite a lot <laughs> <laughs> with their time and and i think one of um you know if a person listening may not be able to do all the stuff you're, that you're doing but I do think it's the one of the main reasons I wanted you on to to speak about what you're doing was to show look there is as a, as women as Muslim women, there is a lot we can do or even you know within our capability you know of course Alhamdulillah some of us are mums some of us are wives some of us are working but there is you know the, the there's that obligation we all have to gain knowledge you know that's for all of us and and then we can then use that knowledge we gain then to share that with others I think that's a really sometimes that can be lost not on purpose um but it's nice to hear like when I saw you know like just when I when I read the you know response that you were involved in to to those questions that did inspire I did make me think that okay yes. Yeah, so there is rather than it's so easy to just sit and moan and complain about the way muslim women are treated or even just muslim women's issues but the better thing is to think within my capability how can i help what can i do to you know there is something i can do and um you know i I think that's what's really nice about hearing what you're doing Um, it's not to think oh um to you know we're not putting you on a pedestal but it's just to be to see oh look there's an example maybe i could do one or two of these things as well
1: yeah, absolutely. And I'm, I'm glad you brought up the the article response because I think that is also a part of it, right? That unfortunately, it's an interesting thing. I, I was speaking to my, my sister Fatima, who also studied it and does some similar work that I do, that unfortunately, sometimes the dichotomy is of muslim women having these doubts and then male show you correcting them (laughs) and i think Mm -hmm. that's an awful dichotomy because it almost makes it seem as though knowledge is the realm of men right so even in having the article responded to by women is to show that no you can also seek knowledge you don't just have to walk around with these doubts you don't have to cling on to feminism you can also go out and seek knowledge you can have the answers to to the doubts that people have and so i, I completely agree with you that that article and having women scholars discuss these issues is really really valuable just for and, and to me that that's one of the reasons why um i think it is valuable to have women speakers leaders and all that stuff um, not just not really for the tokenism but more so for the access that women then ha- get to have to those women, and also just for women to see, like, subhanAllah, you know, I, I'm sure there's so much history and, and various issues behind it, but it was never the issue traditionally in our Islamic society that knowledge was for men. <laughs> you know, Knowledge was for anyone who sought after it, men, women, children. And so absolutely more women need to feel empowered to do what they can to educate, yourself and like you said not just walk around with this narrative of oppression but actually go out seek knowledge be the one that's able to answer people's questions and and do what you can if you maybe don't have as much time then do whatever you can that's in your capacity inshallah
0: yeah inshallah well it's been lovely speaking to you and um you know once um once your book comes out i'd love to have you you on again inshallah um oh, great. Thank
1: you.
0: and um so your main the main place where you're posting um it's it's your blog isn't mm-hmm. it and so and that's called the fig and olive blog is that correct no by the fig and olive yes okay dot com. Yes. okay alhamdulillah so and i will put all the links in the description and yes and uh, we'll speak again
1: soon okay inshallah thank you so much for having me and may Allah give you a in all your work
0: oh alhamdulillah
1: welcome to
0: smart muslima podcast inshallah if you find this podcast episode useful please subscribe and tell your friends and family about smart muslima Also, good news, I have a newsletter and that's how we can stay in touch. To subscribe, please go to smartmuslima.com. Details are also in the podcast notes. In the newsletter, I'll be sharing my book recommendations, productivity tips and online courses that I've created and also information about a new book that I'm writing called Smart Single Muslimer. Inshallah, it will help you to transform the way you approach love and relationships.